Welcome back to Transformative Teaching, a facet at IU podcast. Really happy to be back here with my friend and colleague, Michael Maroney. Say hi, Michael. Hey, everybody. How are you? We're glad you're here joining us. We're recording this on a Monday. And let me tell you, it is the Mondayest of Mondays as the three of us are are sitting here chatting. So speaking of that, we're here with Jenny Duranek, Dr. D. Jenny, you want to say hi? Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening in. Jenny is a, has a doctorate in educational leadership from Western Michigan, master's of kinesiology from the University of Virginia. Wow, you've been all over the Midwest okay. in the areas and um, is faculty in the College of Health Sciences at IUSB. What facet class are you? What year? I don't know this. I am 2019. 2019. Right before COVID. Yeah. Like during COVID? Was that right? Was it? I think that was the one no, right before. Right. Maybe I'm 2020. I should probably know that, uh, shouldn't I? That, Michael, you should probably know that. class of COVID-ish year. Yeah. Story COVID-ish. of our lives. I, I, I believe it might have been 2021. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Really? Facet class Maybe of recently. All I know is that I was excited to be inducted and... Had had been to some great conferences and, and involved with Facet, so it's been awesome. I'm going to out myself well, here, Jenny. So this 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 could be oh. a file management issue, but I found your materials in the 2021 folder. <laughs> so. Perfect. I don't even know this. So I'm way off, which is okay. I was it's on like, the state yeah. committee Monday. that year, and I don't remember Basically either. Basically, what I'm hearing you say is it feels like it's been a lifetime, which is been. definitely the COVID reality. So. It is, and Teaching we've been during COVID. We've been talking yeah. informally before. Um, this started recording about work-life balance and COVID and young kids and just life getting a hold of us. So I think I'll just start on that note since we're already there. Jenny, tell me about um, kind of how how things have been the last couple of years. How you've stayed sane? Is that a thing right now? How <laughs> we've how we've managed all sure. of the things since yeah, your so- 2019 through 2021 induction. <laughs> Since sometime, I don't know. Right. You know, I think um, I like that you you talked about work-life balance because I actually think it's more of a blend. And today's a good example. So we're recording this. I said I had to be at home. My kiddo's homesick today. And um, it's just a blend. And the good thing is that I work with good people who are understanding of the fact that we have to blend work and life together. And that so much with COVID has allowed us to transition into this technology world, which has been so helpful as a working parent. Um, I got three kids that are three, five, and eight, and um, just to be able to navigate and balance them while also still ensuring that I'm teaching the best that I can, and I'm also an administrator, so dealing with all of those things has just been awesome and blending them together. Yeah, I think- But what we were talking about before, and Katie can echo this, I'm sure, is that like, gosh, my kid has to stay home today, and I have this like trauma feeling yeah. of uh, what it's like to be at home and work again with my kids at home, and well, it's, it's not. And I was going to say, as, as a mom of two very young children myself, who I've talked about a little bit on here, um, it is, I feel like it's, I'm more visible as a young working parent. I won't exclude myself to moms because my husband definitely takes on a lot of load as well. So the visibility is more there about how you have to make that juggle, but then you're, you're making it right. Instead right. of canceling a meeting today because you can't go into the office, you're just home. And right. doing the same things. And so that, yeah. that's been an interesting thing, yeah. I think. You know, I, I, been, I. Oh, go ahead, Michael. 
I, I, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say that um, I, I was noticing. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm jumping into to materials. Your, you like your dossier materials here. I was like looking at your teaching philosophy, and this notion of kind of recognizing people and recognizing where they are really comes through there. You talk about. Um, you know, your students show up with a varied sense of purpose and they continually develop their goals, standards, confidence, proficiencies. And I think that that kind of fits in with exactly what we're talking about right now. Everybody has like this individualized life. (laughs) Absolutely. In fact, before I came on this, I had a student that I was supposed to be meeting with in person to go over grad school application materials. And um, he has a young kid also. And so I sent an email at like five this morning and I said, hey, let's transition to Zoom. And the totally understanding and, you know, that the same would be true as if they needed it as well. And so it, it totally matches what I truly believe when it comes to teaching and that, you know, we can have high standards and high expectations. I can have high standards and high expectations, but also have high flexibility and high grace and so, show up as a human. Yeah, Jenny, can you tell me a little bit more about this? We're on a more, much more residential campus in Bloomington here than you are at IUSB. And so it's kind of like unfathomable except for a couple of rare occasions that I would have um, students who also have children. And when I do, it's amazing, but it doesn't happen very often to me. It's like the majority for us. Tell me about this. How, how is that like teaching to, I guess, effectively a a peer or Mm -hmm. somebody who's in this, a similar life mentality Mm -hmm. rather than somebody like decades younger than you? Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely been a transition for me with teaching. I went to a residential campus and have been involved with resident, residential campuses before I came to IUSB. And um, I'm just amazed at the juggle of our students that not only, so we have, uh, we do have residence halls at IUSB, but the majority of students don't live there. They usually commute from home, save money or have, you know, family responsibilities. Um, And they're working full time and fitting in their classes along with what they need um, with work and they are balancing kids or family members. I mean, it is, it's just amazing. And it has caused me as an educator to kind of transition my thinking of capability and ability of students that sometimes I know that they aren't showing up with what I know they're capable of based on what they demonstrate, but they're doing the best they can. And I have to accept that and be okay with it. And sometimes that's hard. Like I came from a small private institution where there was four people in my like graduating class of athletic training and we were super close and high academic rigor. And um, these students have the rigor. Many of them have the rigor. They just have life that's mm-hmm. influencing it, which yeah. is, it's crazy. And it's I, I think that, that what you're bringing up it reminds me of the the book Bandwidth Recovery yeah. by mm-hmm. C. Everett Sheldon and how we all just have a certain amount of bandwidth with, with with which we show up to teach or with which we show up to learn. And as instructors, we have to be aware of that and that can help our students um, learn uh, learn as much as they possibly can on any given day. Yeah. You know, and I also noticed this other component of human you, you mentioned humanity bringing ourselves to to the class you talk about um, the human dimension of course content what what exactly do you mean by that I think that's a really interesting phrase yeah so I don't edit stuff <laughs> um, I I just I just go and yeah. I make mistakes yeah. and I own my mistakes yeah. and I recently just did a presentation with our our um, center for teaching and learning and I just same thing you know I I just go and what happens happens. And I work really hard to ensure that what I'm doing fits into the student's lifestyle. 
Like this is taboo on our campus. Like I don't use Kaltura. I don't, oh. I use YouTube for just about everything. And I'm okay with mm -hmm. open access stuff for while classes, you know, are, are in session because that's how students are learning and that's how they can get access to material as best as possible. So I think so much of that shows up in how I present as an educator, but also as how I treat them, you know, when we're treat students or staff or faculty or whoever um, in face-to-face -face conversations, it's just, if, if we're not human, if I'm not human, right, and I'm not understanding and flexible, then it's also hard for students to give me the grace as well for like days like today when I have to shift things to be online. Yeah, and Jenny, that's a really interesting point, I think for two reasons that resonate with me. One is the open access thing. It's really difficult. I'm the same way. It's difficult for me to convince students to go to resources, to like mm -hmm. go investigate it, use the internet, use other people. Every single thing in my classes is open access as well. And, and there's a, a discomfort, I think, associated sometimes with challenging your students or challenging people. I challenge my colleagues this way too to go outside of the bounds of um, like the material, if that matter, mm -hmm. the stuff I present them. But the second, and I think more interesting piece you've talked about is that sense of, you know, I'm a human. And, and something I run into in this podcast is actually a good example for both of us here, which is that people perceive people like you and I and Michael, the three of us, as doing it all. So I'm mm -hmm. human, I have kids at home, but I'm also juggling 5,000 things. How do you balance that? So you're somebody who's successful. I'm just reading about you right now on the <laughs> allcampusnews.iu.edu about concussion research and all this super practical, cool stuff. And yet you're like, but I'm human. But are you? Because you do all of this awesome stuff all at the same time. I know people think that they're like, how do you do it all? And I'm like, I don't know what. Tell did me about. Accuse, did you just accuse Jenny of being a machine? A little bit, but I'm only saying <laughs> oh that God. out of love and um, maybe, maybe understanding as if well. I, if what I'm a machine, I'm a faulty machine. Yeah, that's how exactly I, right. Yes, I definitely don't Amen. do it all. You know, I don't do it all. But the perception, it it's not. I agree. It's the perception. Yeah, it's the perception because I also. I mean, I'm saying this, and just bear with me, everybody. Like, it also <laughs> comes with humbleness too. Yeah, you know, like I, I was uncomfortable to say yes to this podcast. You know, some of my colleagues were like, jumped on right on it and were like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, oh, I don't know what I want to talk and about. And you're regretting myself. that now, right? No, um, okay. no this is awesome. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I just, I just, I, I have grit. And I think that, you know, that's just how I've been raised and what I try to instill in others and demonstrate to others that, um, I absolutely do not get it all done and fail more often than I can even, you know, or should probably admit. Um, and I keep a lot of to-do lists. And um, yet the other thing that I think COVID really taught me is boundaries. And um, I have been transitioning. So I've, I've recently moved into the role of assistant dean within our college. And that has added on a whole level of responsibilities, of course. And I also teach two classes a semester. And I, it's impossible. Like it truly is impossible to do everything. Yeah. Um, and so I just do the best that I can and prioritize. Um, but I prioritize my students first right. and my classes first because I wholeheartedly, um, you know, am an educator and identify as that first and foremost. And um, try to instill that in others too, which is really hard, especially like Katie, like what you're saying, right? Like people, I do a lot. I do a lot. I know I do a lot. Um, but I'm able to and still maintain some sanity. 
Yeah. And I, I, I like that you're kind of, you know, what you just described is you're very student forward, student centric. Right. And when you're teaching um, that, that, that's, that's the, the, the beginning and highest priority. Mm-hmm. And um, I bet your students really resonate with that. Uh, have you, have you had, do you have some examples or an example of, of how this has really helped a student? Yeah, so the main class that I teach um, every semester is our senior seminar class. So it's preparing the students for what comes next, you know, and I've transitioned it to really be focused on the NACE competencies, which are all about career readiness and, and workforce skills. And so with that, it it allows some flexibility for me to be able to also say, you know, like part of professionalism is sending me another email when I don't respond and teaching them how to do that appropriately and professionally, because those are the types of things that have to happen in the workplace as well. And um, so I think, you know, I think, I think if my students ever listen to this, they might disagree, but I think I have a pretty good you know, understanding and relationship and partnership with them. Maybe that's right. A ridiculous number of letters of recommendation and keep in touch with everybody after they graduate to help them get jobs and and whatnot. Um, But again, it's just that humanness because that's, that's what I I hope for them in the future. And I want for them. And I know our students of like today's generation are also looking for that, of that balance and blend and, and, you know, the money doesn't really mean everything right now. And, um, and I want to, I want to show them that I want to show them that grace too. Yeah. That's a, I I love how you talk about professionalism in this way where, Mm -hmm. um, it's not all about you as an instructor demanding that your students be professional. It is, it is like a two-way street where, um, it's like a, it's like, it is like a relationship. It's like a partnership. It's like a a learning community. And that, I mean, that's what I hear you, um, kind of, you're, you're trying to create in in your classrooms. Yeah. So this year, what I did for my class this fall is I, um, I got rid of all, uh, due dates in canvas and uh, for this, again, seniors, because I think this is real life, right? My boss doesn't tell me when I have to do something or when I have to turn something in. I have to time manage that. And that's yeah. been the case yeah. in every job I've ever held. And so I got rid of the due dates. Um, but they're, um, what I did with the assignments is they're in sections. So they have to complete everything by a certain section based off of oh. the competencies that we're covering. And I let the the class come up with and vote on what the penalty would be if somebody didn't meet that section, right? And they didn't get their stuff done in time. And they they went with the easy, like the 10% per day late standard, which is like what we do in every other class, which isn't surprising, but at least, you know, allowed for some community and some involvement from them. Um, And um, so like human humanness wise, I set up every assignment to be complete or incomplete. And when I did that in Canvas, I haven't been able to figure out, maybe you guys can help me or I can help somebody listen to this, help (laughs) me how to then add a a late penalty to it. Oh, send Jenny an email Um, if you know how to add a late penalty. I know how to, but not for complete. That's what I was going to say for complete or incomplete. Yes. Let's crowdsource here. I'm behind on my grading because I've been going through and having to change everything from complete incomplete to account for those who've turned it in late. And so Mm -hmm. I said to him, Michael, I was like, hey, I'm behind on grading. Yeah. Like I know it. Right. And it and this is why. And it's taking me a lot of time for the work that I've already done to get it up to speed. So if I have a concern, I will totally reach out to you. But 
this is why I'm behind. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because I just did that. I was like behind on my grading and my my excuse was you had a better one than me. I was like, (laughs) I'm reading every single word of all of your papers. I'm not outsourcing this to my GA. My GA is amazing. I don't think he's listening, but if he is, he's awesome. I love him. But I don't want to put the burden on him to to read 40 papers about tax systems. And so I was like, I'm reading every word. And they went, oh, okay, good. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. So it's, yeah. You're talking about transparency. That sort of accountability, transparency. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I think that's so important. And, And Jenny, I want to know from you, because this is a hard thing to cultivate on your own, right? I mean, you do it, but it, I think you, there, there's a learning curve as you're doing, like, am I doing it right? Is this, is, out, is crowdsourcing or outsourcing mm-hmm. really the way to go? Where do you learn this? Kind of where, why are you doing what you're doing outside of just the yeah. learning kind of by design as you go along? Yeah, I'm definitely learning on the fly, but I think um, a lot of what I do truly stems, I think, from my background in um, medicine. So I'm an athletic trainer and athletic trainers are really like flexible and nimble and creative and adaptive to try to get people back to the playing field or, you know, back to a classroom. And so I think that that like mindset, it really shifts into what I do now as an educator. Also, during COVID, I took like major advantage of the technology resources that were out there. Like I was doing every, um, you know, professional development that I could to help kind of learn and grow and how to adapt things. I found awesome podcasts um, that I, I commute about 35 minutes one way to work. And so I, I listened to those on that, at, joined a whole bunch of Facebook groups, you know, that just they'll do things and just they'll people will share things. It just sparks my mind for how I can throw it in and integrate it. And a lot of times it fails, you know, but yeah. um, I'm open and transparent, right, Michael, like that word you used with talking with the students about like, what'd you think about this? Would you want this for the next class? And and why not? Why or why not? That's great that, that, that just that open communication you have with your students. And yeah. um, are, are there other ways that you're kind of, when you say failed, I mean, that means that you flip side, you're having some of these experiments that are successful, but how are you like monitoring kind of on an ongoing basis, the successful failure of, of things that you're trying or things that, uh, that you see your students trying? Yeah. So sometimes it's just like they're, they turn something in and it's not what I was hoping or anticipating. Sometimes it's, um, my class is very dialogue based. This class I'm teaching now, I've taught a huge number of classes or a wide range of classes, I should say. Um, we're really dialogue based. Like we, I, I must be a fortunate, have like 20 students in the class, two sections of it. Mm. So 40 total. So we sit in a circle and we <laughs> yeah, talk through stuff. Um, and so um, reading their vibe, you know, like truly of, of reading that. Um, but also um, talk, right? So because I teach this class every fall and spring, I know that students talk to each other. And so when I like go to introduce something, um, I'll have students say, oh yeah, we heard about that. People yeah. liked that. And they talk, they, they share do. They when you establish do. that place of trust, right? Yep. And openness. And they share and with you about other people too, right? So like I actually learn personally, this is gonna sound bad, but it's true. I'll, I'll confess today. Um, a lot. I learn a lot about what to do and what not to do from my students um, discussing with me. I won't use the word gossiping about other professors Mm -hmm. in my class. So like, oh my gosh, we had this situation or, oh, he did something really cool. And I'm like taking notes about what to do, what not to do because you do, but you're right. Developing that trust, establishing that trust really does kind of foster that 
sense of organic um, note taking on your your own right. playing field of what, well, and what I to also, do. And I also I start off the, each semester with with every class of you know like flip charts on the wall of what do you like about classes, what do you don't like yeah. about classes, what's something you hope to learn in this class. And, um, I truly take that to heart and then talk it through, you know, it's not just something that just goes and fits on the back of my door. I, we talk through it and I really keep it in mind. Um, but you know, I think that a lot of it is consistent stuff each semester. There's sometimes the students say things and I'm like, Ooh, that's, that's new. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder who that professor was, but, um, you know, most of the time they're pretty because they like timely grading and they like feedback and they like, you know, they, they like communication and flexibility. And so it's, it stays relatively consistent, but it at least then engages and involves the students. And then also I do like a mid semester evaluation as well. So mm -hmm. just to make sure that I'm, I'm meeting their needs and, and, you know, vice versa. Well, so you're paying a lot of attention to it because you, well, it sounds like because you know that you can pivot and you're flexible and you can right. go in different directions as, as needed. Right. How would you, how do you, how, how did you develop this flexibility? I mean, I know you talked about your medical training, mm -hmm. but if you wanted to suggest to somebody else how to do that, what, what would you suggest? Let go Boy, of that's your a expectations. Tough it is a tough, it is a tough, tough question, question, but like, let go of your that. expectations and see the human side of people too. You know, I think, um, be, I, I can't imagine being a college student right now, whether at a residential campus or at a campus like ours, where most of our students commute in, I can't imagine what it's like being a student right now. Um, yeah. just the expectations of the world, the expectations yeah. of self, the, yep. the integration of technology, um, you know, it, technology is, has been awesome, but you know, if someone has five classes, every person's using Canvas differently right. and yes. expecting something different out of students. That's not the way it was when I was a student. I just showed up to class mm -hmm. and took notes. And um, so letting go of some of those expectations and I think some of the humbleness of when you get it wrong, like that self-reflection of, maybe it wasn't the students, right? Like maybe yeah. it was me and maybe it was my expectation and that's okay. It's hard, you know, it's hard to admit that something you did was wrong or didn't mesh or students weren't clicking with it. Um, and if that's, that's challenging. And I, I could say, I should say too, like I, I teach these main classes right now. I'm also teaching a 35 person online class mm -hmm. uh, that's IUOCC. I've taught hundred person classes of anatomy um, oh in person and 50 person online during COVID. Yeah. I had a skeleton in my room. Wow. Um, <laughs> and so, I, you know, I've taught a wide range of classes too. And I think just so much of it is showing up as me so and human. I want to know if you have a specific example of what you were just talking about of sort of like this. Um, students come in and are confused and are doing things that you didn't expect. Is it, was there sort of a, because I had one of these last fall, this aha moment, but not in a good way, like that maybe an oh no <laughs> moment of things are different, especially post COVID when I feel like we've got a three year cycle to kind of get back to level, if mm -hmm. not more. Yeah. Um, and if not, so that's think, okay. No, I'm trying to think of, of, of something specific. So when I was teaching anatomy, I taught, I used quizzes too, the external tool in Canvas. 
and broke um, all of my lectures into many, many lectures, you know, great pedagogy, super yeah. time intensive. Um, and with quizzes too, I was then able to have the students um, answer questions on each of those individual videos. And with an anatomy class, that, that tool is just fantastic because you can set it so they can hotspot and they can pick various parts of the body to answer the questions. Um, and I thought that was incredible and amazing, but I learned that it didn't work on an iPad and it wasn't oh, no. good oh, no. on, um, it wasn't good on a, um, surface pro, like those types of like oh. touch screens weren't good for it. So I had to adapt the way that I was doing it in order to meet the students where they were. Yeah. I totally hear you. And, um, I actually had one of those moments as well when, I, my students did not know how to take closed book quizzes or closed book exams in my classroom, even though I was walking around helping them. It was one of those, oh my gosh, like you've li quite literally never taken an exam in person before or a quiz in person. And I didn't realize, I mean, who knew, wow. you know, I've been doing this for so many years. I don't like exams, quizzes in general. I don't think they're pedagogically sound, but occasionally they're, they're motivators, yeah, they're but my, for some but classes, my students yeah. were panicky, like panicking seniors in a class that wasn't the most challenging they probably ever had and and I that just this realization of I have to adapt like right now if nothing else just so um, I know for next time kind of how how to smooth things up and what I ended up doing in that one was I took away the lockdown browser they were in my class but mm. they could still ask questions open book open note whatever like use literally whatever you want and then the grades didn't go up that much so it's like I can do this for them for their own mental health yeah without fundamentally changing the outcome and it's it's weird i had a class uh, i was teaching sports management and marketing before covid and i had we had some conflict that came up in class and so i had to move an exam online and we, that was like not heard of really like we just didn't do that at that point and i yeah. remember standing in front of the class and just like saying like don't cheat don't cheat you know it's your own morals it's yes. your own ethics it's it's you know like don't cheat yeah and they didn't I cheat and their you grades, yes, yes and they and they, they didn't, didn't cheat. cheat and their grades weren't good and afterwards i i was honest with them in class and i said like you guys didn't cheat and they're yeah. like no you scared us yeah. <laughs> and i think gosh so things have totally changed since yes. then you know as to how we do things now um but man it's it's hard it is it's, it's tough to make that adaptation <laughs> that is so yeah. funny don't you they're like don't okay we're scared that's in my syllabus but now like, you say that whole, like plagiarism yeah academic honesty like my summary of it is don't cheat my sister was in college <laughs> I mean, during covid yeah I like that I know, I know i know my sister was in college during covid and she was like haranguing me a little bit about some of my policies. I'm like, you know, we got to do something. And she was like, the harder you make this for them, the more likely they're going to, it is, they're going to go out and find other resources. Like oh, don't sure. make it impossible. And that was yeah. such good. I was like, that's dumb. You're that's mean. But she was right. She was so right about that. Like you, if you try to go overboard, whether it's with technology or with um, rigor, I don't want to say rigor of exams, making it so hard, they can't possibly cheat. Their first reaction is not to go, okay, you're right. right. Their first reaction is to go try to find something to make their life manageable because there's so much else going on right now. Yeah. It's very we weird learned, insight. We learned with, oh, we go want, ahead. We want to see our, how much our students know and how much they've yeah, learned. Yeah, exactly. 
kind of take away any barriers we have to, to that, that get in the way of them actually bringing their authentic selves oh. to, to the exams. Or oh, God and, forbid you know, learning, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. When we've learned too, like with our, our clinical programs, the programs that require a certification exam after that, the rigor is essential. Yeah, it totally is. Well, Jenny, we have really enjoyed having you on here. And um, I know that work-life balance is really getting you and all of us today, man. Do we all know that feeling? <laughs> My daughter just came in and told me that her hands were cold. So. Oh, and you're like, absolutely, I can absolutely fix that. Cool. What am I going to do yeah, right now about that? It's nice to have a fixable problem like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My daughter decided not to eat breakfast this morning and instead build a robot Halloween costume for her stuffed animal. And she's like, why didn't you feed me? And I'm like, I, it's Monday. We can't. You're instilling creativity. Except that I made, daughters. I'm pretty confident her daycare thinks I starved her. So it's gonna, it's gonna go great. Everything is fine. Hey, you cannot do it all, Katie. You can't do, I'll have to tell you, you that back, Jenny. You can't do it all. I think that's such a good, Michael, you can't either, by the way. No, nope. I, I know. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for yeah, joining us you. today on Transformative Teaching. We really enjoyed having a conversation with you and wish you all the best this semester with um, what you called it. The blend, not the balance, yeah, but the blend. The blend. Yep, yeah. meshing the two of them together. So important. All right. Yeah. Thank well, thank you. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>